0: A very scary episode this week, Blunders, as we discuss the new Scream trailer, we review Halloween Kills, and director David Gordon Green joins the show.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.
0: Hello Blenders and welcome. Welcome to episode number 186 of Real Blend, the podcast with the Colgate commercial smile and Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch enthusiasm, baby. <laughs> My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. And on this week's show, boy, did we miss our box office predictions for not no time to die. Uh, Halloween Kills is gonna hit theaters. And director David Gordon Green, uh, director of both Halloween and its sequel, is our guest on the show. He's going to be joining us a little bit later. And by us, I mean Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hello, Kevin. How are you, sir?
3: Jonathan, Gabriel, Jacob. Uh, also David Gordon Green of Pineapple Express fame, very might true. I add, uh, yes. which is a great film of
4: his. Um, yes,
3: very he's excited about this a conversation.
0: Of, he's gone through a couple of stages in his career. Uh, yeah. Indie director... He's almost like, a, like an Adam
4: McKay, kind of.
0: He is a little bit like an Adam McKay. Oh, he's another guy I'd like to get on the show later yeah. on for his uh, DiCaprio. Netflix, if you're listening. Yeah, please, have him on. Uh, then Don't uh, Look Up? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Looks a little strange, right? That trailer looks yeah. a little bit strange.
4: I'm all uh, in. It's a great premise.
0: The, uh, the Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch enthusiasm man is uh, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago and also the uh subject of a of a fantastic forbes profile uh, that's right that, that talks about jake's illustrious career hi jakey how are you
4: uh it's it's a it's a weird day it's i'm i'm, I'm doing great though
0: congratulations awesome. on that piece man Thank that piece you. is fantastic there's a huge yeah. chunk of that piece dedicated to our little show there is yes that is also very cool i and, and truthfully you know you have really great stories to tell from your entire career. The Tom Hanks story is great. And Tom door <laughs> door gets mentioned, which is great. But then, you know, to come back around to Quentin and, and the show and all that stuff, it's, it's, man, it's uh, if, if, if you
4: are a loyal listener to, uh, to this show, I don't think there will be any stories in the article that uh, are unfamiliar to you.
0: Right. Yeah. So you, you did get Larry crown mentioned. Then that's what I'm Larry, Larry
4: crown. It's all that matters. Lawrence J crown. Anyone
5: looking for that story, I'll drop it in the, in the description. So. Oh, that's hey, Gabe, that's Gabe
0: Kobach. That's Gabe Kobach, the producer of Roblox. Awesome worthy of applause. Hello, Gabriel. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hello. Thanks for joining us. Um, head down and give us a like and a subscribe while you're here so you can come Ding. back and listen to all of our episodes and interviews. Uh, for audio listeners, if you want to watch us as we get all fancied up, camera ready, uh, head to youtube.com backslash podcast. Of course, we're available all the different places you can get your podcast needs met. Hey, have you signed up for Real Blend Premium? On Real Blend Premium, you can get an ad-free version of the show, an extra segment every single week that we drop on Mondays, usually when we're playing a fun game, and then a newsletter that I write every other week, and it arrives uh, on Fridays, as does the show. We now have a Friday drop date for the show. Uh, So if you want to learn more about Premium, go to cinnamonblend.com backslash Blend premium. Um, Let's start the show. Let's get in with the weekly poll. <clears throat> Jake, I'm throwing it to you as our horror expert. Yes. Uh, we asked the people, who is your favorite slasher? Um, before I even give Whoa. the choices, Jake, why don't you tell me who your favorite slasher is? It's Freddy.
4: It's, it's, it's always been Freddy Krueger. I think a huge part of that is Robert England's performance. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of these, uh, outside of Tony Todd as Candyman, a lot of these slashers have been played by multiple people, and, and mm-hmm. they're less tethered to a personality and a performance, and there's just something about Robert English's performance that I think is is uh, so attached to the character itself, and also the idea of not being able to escape a, uh, a slasher in reality that, mm. that he's chases after you, I think, is, is horrifying.
0: That is pretty scary. Kev, yeah. do you have a favorite?
3: I mean, the Freddy one is... <sighs> It's just that concept of not being able to fall asleep, like, 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 like. I, I, I don't like. I don't think there's anything more terrifying than that. I mean, I really, I really don't. I'm just kind of echoing Jake, uh, in the sense that like Freddie is the ultimate because. Oh. I mean, yeah, and,
4: and <laughs> Sean. I'm
5: so Sean, jealous.
3: Sean is showing a a, Ch- a Chucky doll for for people uh, who are listening. Just <laughs> my little buddy. Just my little audio, buddy doll. Just an my- audio is, that, is that still that.
0: what he's called is he was he called my little buddy look at his hair i know this yeah. is more for the youtube but but his hair is crazy and then um he's not scarred like he looks like a normal little boy here like a sweet little boy <laughs> sweet little boy please we we
4: have, I, gabe have that be the, the thumbnail of this we have of passed this. him around oh,
0: a... uh our house uh so many times so well, as soon as as soon as chucky arrived brandon put Charles. him in pj's bed Charles. 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 <laughs> put him Charles.
2: in
0: PJ. Put him in PJ's bed. <laughs> yeah, without the scar,
5: his his name is Charles. His Charles? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh,
0: <laughs> look at his face.
2: Then He's PJ so put
0: him uh, in um, Michelle's bed uh, on the side on Michelle's side of the bed. Then Michelle <laughs> leaned him against Brendan's door so that when Brendan opened his bedroom door, Chucky fell in. <laughs> then they put him in my chair here. So when I walked into my office, I turned my light on. He scared the daylights out of me. And then finally, Brendan put him in PJ's laundry basket so that when PJ opened up his closet, Chucky was staring back out at him. So we That's had a lot amazing. of fun with Chucky over the past couple of days. Um, I'll put him down now. But uh, yeah, it's weird. I want to say
3: one more thing just in terms of uh, the slasher uh, question about the poll. I also think Fred, Freddie might have the greatest... And what's and this sounds really weird because I don't like using this terminology because I feel like we've gotten to a culture now where where horror movies are celebrating the kills like Michael Myers mm-hmm. is like like that's kind of where we are in horror like, sure. like you know what we're you know and that's you know that's fine it's just the way the way entertainment went um, but I think the one that out of all of them mm-hmm. that has the most that has the most memorable kill is the Johnny Depp death in oh the first God. nightmare that's a good because. One. I will never forget. Well, the concept of not being able to fall asleep to me is already terrifying, and then being helpless in that sense. Like at least with like Jason and Michael Myers and those characters, you can run; you you have a chance. Yep. When you're sleeping, you have no chance. Yeah. Um. But I'll just never forget that I, the image of of the of the body in going into the bed and then the blood shooting up. Yeah. Um. I, was, I remember I was interviewing Johnny Depp for this movie called Transcendence and I got to geek out with him a little bit about Wes Craven and kind of that particular shot. And just like that scene alone to me solidifies Freddy. And mm. I also want to shout out Freddy vs. Jason, which is an underrated, awesome movie. Um, they do a little, they, they, it's a little cop out or at the end with who dies and who oh, doesn't. But, it's but, but
4: such a cop out. It's but, a great but, premise though. Like the, 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 the reason that they came up with To have both of them exist in the same movie is a great idea, but I'm I'm going to argue Freddie wins, and uh, uh, right because wait because he winks at the camera. Right, so
3: head. oh no 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 no. Jason cuts Freddy's head off, right? Yes, yes. and then so and then Freddy a, winks at the camera. So Jason technically wins the movie. He wins the fight. He wins the duel. Um, that's and I, I have no problem giving that to
5: Jason. The last no, one wasn't that. Always, know, wasn't button. that always considered? W- w- when I watched that, I always thought that of as like, oh, this was round one of Freddy versus round Jason. Round one. Well, well right, that kind of right.
4: goes to whenever I spoke to Bruce Campbell because there were those rumors for a while that there was going to be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, mm. and uh, whenever he was approached about it. Apparently, he was told by the studio, like, heads up, like, Ash can't hurt Jason in this way. He can't hurt Freddy in that way. He can't do this. He can't do that, which is a little. It's like, like Vin Diesel. Yeah. It's just like Vin Diesel and Jason <laughs> Statham in The Rock. Like, it, it's a little frustrating to know that, like, it boils down to, like, con- contractually who can get hurt. Sure. And we're yeah. not going based on right. story. Like, that, can, that takes a little bit of the fun out of it.
5: Hm? Can I ask
3: you a question um, just because of the poll? Um... It, this, again this is gonna sound th- to to a horror person like jacob this might sound like a stupid question do you consider michael My- michael myers to be a human being
0: no not i anymore. not anymore
4: he's not
3: right because i, I, I he's been, go he's based on how he was
4: created i i don't yeah. i don't go based on how other people but, have, have taken him so, I, to me, he's more terrifying if you think of him as a human being.
3: Okay, but what is he now? Because, like, like, okay, I get that uh, he was born a human. We know what he does in the yeah. beginning of the opening of the movie. But I was talking to my anchors about this yesterday because we were airing my Jamie Lee Curtis interview, and they were like, is Michael Myers human? And I'm like, I, I mean, I, is it possible that there was some supernatural element I that I, came I, I mean, into now, I, play? I don't
4: think, and, and don't, not well, not in the sense I don't like these movies anymore, but, like, I <laughs> I don't think about that as much. Like I, to me, like yeah. I think about it how John Carpenter created him, and that's yeah. To me, that's how it is.
0: Oh, okay. because also Sorry. there's stuff in yeah. Kills that kind of addresses that, and I don't want to get into it because it's a little spoilery. Um, mm-hmm. There's at mm-hmm. least lines of dialogue. So, mm-hmm. um, I would go, I would go Jason if I'm if I'm picking my favorite. Um, if only because I think that as the series kept going, like it got comically. You know exaggerated yeah, about the different do. ways yeah. that they could kill him, um, and so I yeah. i, I kind of you know that the one point they stab him in the grave and then the thing gets hit by lightning and it brings yeah. him back. To
2: that's great, I just, love it, I love it. Awesome.
0: Yeah, is that, is that the it, one so. is that where cory Haim is there? No, that's it's after Corey Haim because Corey Haim's the one oh it's Feldman, Corey Feldman, 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 sorry, sorry, who um, kills him in four, yeah, and then I think he gets but I want to say Feldman's there when five. he comes
4: back out of the grave.
0: He's not. It, well, it might be his character. It's his character, but it's not Corey Falcon okay, playing okay. him. But it is his character, Tommy. I think. Tommy. Yeah. Um. All right. So the poll, Michael Myers won by a long shot. He's he's uh, kind of
4: considered the king, right? Fifty-seven yeah. percent.
0: Uh, yes. I would probably I say Freddy in this poll. I'm surprised, surprised to Freddy. Freddy got twenty-six percent.
5: Freddy hasn't been in a movie, a good movie, oh, in decades? That's, that's
3: a really good point. Fair gabe hit the nail on the head yeah. uh that that is exactly what it yeah. is We're everybody who's weak. voting on that poll it's there's a recency aspect michael myers has been in, in, ingrained in our minds at least mm-hmm. now for the past three or four years just because of the the resurgence of that character personally
5: yeah. i would still pick myers even without the recent movies yeah really? but that's just what, what, a, that's what just, other, just a, other how other i ones? grew what i grew would be, up on uh, I, will, we, Band, I
4: will pinhead chucky Pinhead, Chucky, uh, Ghostface. Ghostface I mean, is probably. When you, when you say Ghostface, what does that mean? Ghostface like, is well, number two for me. One?
5: Just but Ghostface is multiple people. Yeah, is
3: it Billy? Is it yeah, Stu? Is it,
5: is it is it Timothy Oliphant? That's the cool, unique thing about Ghostface.
3: Yeah, yeah, but he is Ghostface is the only one because like, Michael Myers, Freddy, all those guys—they're theoretically the same being or individual. The person
4: with the poofy coat in Urban Legend. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, oh, uh, one what thing I will say. Uh to, uh, to go to Gabe's side for one second uh, because we are jumping into a Halloween interview so actually this will be a good transition I do believe that Michael Myers has the most terrifying aspect aside from what Freddie can do there's this thing that Michael Myers does that to me is so iconic to the character it's a simple head yeah. tilt that he does when he's like examining his kill and it's like a it's so psychologically yeah. messed up. Doesn't <laughs> so um, many he, doesn't uh, he,
5: Ghostface do that once? Right?
3: I think yeah. I think he might like as like uh, a homage. Ghostface is um, so badass.
5: Scream is so cool. Oh, oh my god, Ghostface I, is cool. I,
4: I, yeah, the opening the opening scene, the, the fact that Kevin Williamson wrote the opening scene, scene of Scream and like a day is insane.
0: Uh, let, we're gonna get to some talking points after our interview because we have David Gordon Green here talking about Halloween Kills. So let's get right to that interview uh, without further ado. David Gordon Green discussing Halloween Kills on Roblox.
4: All right, man, so I'm going to start out talking about shooting those those scenes set in 1978 because there were moments where I kind of paused. They, they looked so much like the original film that I paused and went, wait, is this a scene I don't remember from the original? And then there was a moment where I went, wait, was this in Halloween 2 and I just don't remember it? Like, that's how good they looked. So I was just wondering how you pulled something like that off.
6: Well, you know, it was just a combination between an amazing art department that did meticulous research and studied the original uh, structures, the original Myers House, um, and every detail from the film obsessively. And then uh, our camera department, um, Mike Simmons and his crew that, you know, Mike talked to Dean Cundy about lighting and, and, and the color and atmosphere and when when to move the camera, when not to move the camera, kind of following in the methodology that that uh, Dean and John Carpenter established for us. So obviously we're there to pay homage to a classic film and wanna do it as, as authentically as we can.
0: David, I really wanna to speak to you about the ending of the first, your first Halloween film. Uh, Cause we don't get a chance to talk to you about endings when you come around on the press tour, essentially. Um, but when I got to the end of that film, I really thought, like, damn, they, they did it. They figured out a way to actually trap him in a way that he's not going to get out. So <laughs> I would love to hear what your process was when it came back around and you were like, oh, now we got to figure out how to get him out. When you left him there, did you know, or did you and Danny basically look at each other like, oh, shit, all right, I guess we now, we got to figure this out.
6: That, that's funny that you say because with every, every great idea it becomes an obstacle is how to get out of that great idea. And so I thought... The same thing you did when we came up with those ideas, and and some of those were the the fine tuning that McBride brought to us at the uh at, kind of at our last draft of that script of ways to tighten the ratchet and really make it um, an airtight ending for for Michael because that's what that's what you would want that's the only thing that you're not going to roll your eyes at, uh, and then how do you get him out of there? So, as as every fan is probably wondering from the second they hear that there's going to be a sequel, um, we are too. So we scratched our heads. And came up with what we thought was the most fun, really retracing the steps and found looking for any loopholes in Laurie's plan. Um, and and yeah, so that, that's a it's a fun it's a fun conundrum.
4: You know, speaking of a, of a fun conundrum, uh, you guys do something really interesting in that you craft a horror movie in which Laurie and Michael never really share a scene together, which I thought was really fascinating. I was wondering at what point, as you're crafting the story and you're realizing where each of these two characters are, at what point did you realize, hey, we're just going to keep them apart for this movie and then presumably bring them together for the finale?
6: Yeah, and it was a lot of, talking to John Carpenter about it, it was a lot of the same things that they struggled with when they were uh, making the original Halloween too. you know, is how do you you keep them alive? How do you uh, keep that cat-and-mouse dynamic, that, um, uh, that relationship, it's so specific that it's almost, uh, it's almost romantic. You know, you look at a movie like, like Silence of the Lambs and there's just that intimate connection between your hero and your villain, and we have that in this. And so how do you, how do, you do that? And so um, we found ourselves leaning more and more and using, using a film that we'd kind of dismissed in our original concept as, as Halloween Two is not a part of our narrative and our part of our chronology. But there were, were amazing seeds from it that we were able to take and utilize and then take our own our own path uh, and try to make it satisfying at the same time. So it's it's expanding the the universe by expanding uh, Haddonfield and, and visiting characters that are legacy characters or characters that we've set up in our 2018 version, and then exploring where they go. Meanwhile, as, a, as an emotional anchor, you don't ever want to get too far away from Laurie Strode, but if you're going to tell a story in the same night, Man, she's been stabbed in the guts, and she ain't doing a whole lot of dancing. So you have to kind of figure out <laughs> wh- what's, what's wh- where, the, where the leaps that you can take are. And, and I was just talking to Jamie a little bit ago about, about the logic police and when you call them in to call bullshit on what you're, what you're creating and when you just say, you know what, the, uh, we're all going to have a good time. We, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a few leaps on this one, but let's, let's roll with it.
0: Uh, David, I want to touch on a concept of fighting back, which I I think was a pretty uh, decent theme in your first one that really gets elevated uh, in in this second one, because the Laurie that we meet in your first Halloween obviously has been sort of planning and training for it. Uh, And here now we get to meet a lot of the old victims of Michael Myers, and and they don't cower. You know, they're very quick to to say, like, the, the, the mantra of evil dies tonight becomes pretty prevalent in it. So I'm curious as to what was really interesting to you about that dynamic because it's not something that you see in a lot of horror sequels it's quite often it's it's people who are running away from the bad guy and in this one your people are really running at him
6: yeah so that's just part of what we're studying in this film is not necessarily just the cat and mouse in its traditional slasher formula but how how that expands how fear uh how fear shows up in other other forms and miscommunication and mob mentality and someone's interpretation of how to respond to something that's stressful or horrific is different than the other person. So the juxtaposition of their reactions, uh, who who wants to lead the charge and who does want to cower away and have a, a, a rational perspective. So, you know, between uh, Tommy and Karen and the various voices trying to argue their way into a rationale here. That's part of what the conflict that we explore beyond just the obvious of um a guy with a knife is uh trying to do to do bad things
4: uh you know David, i'm I'm a big fan of 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 these films I grew up on on the seventies eighties and nineties and slasher films, so much so that obviously because of that it means inherently I'm a fan of Nick castle, and there is a scene in which um I don't think I'm giving it because it's it's teased in the trailer in which Michael is unmasked and and I was wondering if that is. Nick C- and, and just to I don't know if you have a TV monitor there, but I'm enough of a fan that I've got a uh, Nick Castle signed Amazing. mask there, and I was just wondering, is that <laughs> Nick Castle reprising the role of of Michael again after 40 plus years?
6: Uh, well, well, first of all, just to kind of alleviate any concerns uh, the audience would have, is this this is not a this is not a we don't want to see uh, Michael Myers, we don't want to see any expression, any emotion. There's no revealing of uh, of of any identity of him, but mm-hmm. uh, but in these moments that where there is uh, a, a maskless Michael, it is uh, it was important for me to keep the physic uh, the physicality of James Jude Courtney's performance uh, to just keep that continuity there. So uh, Nick was there on our very first day of filming. He's there as a script consultant. He has a cameo in a scene that uh, you'll see in behind the scenes and deleted scenes that where he does. With the mask on uh, yet again but in terms of the, the the actual performance of the 2018 era michael myers it is um it is james courtney and then and then there's a 1978 flashback where uh, aaron armstrong is is in the suit and he was our stunt coordinator and and um, and tried to emulate some of what castle and his physicality of that time period um suggested a little bit of an evolution there
0: fast mm. you're so fast in that flashback <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't believe how quick michael was moving It's like oh that's right the shape used to move really quickly like that uh david i, I don't know if you have actually thought about this but you've now technically directed more halloween films than john carpenter has uh so i don't know are you at a, a point where you feel some ownership over the characters over the property or do you always feel like you're playing with someone else's toys
6: um, that's a great question, and I, I I have to say I'm honored to be playing with someone else's toys, and um, and it's fun to have my own signature in there. And I think when we are when we're flashing back in the time period, it's it's my duty to do as as much as I can to kind of emulate a signature of John's. But then in in the in the mythology that we're playing on, expanding on, and um, toying with, it's just exciting to have a collaborator like John. He, he actually keeps me in check. Honestly, it's it's. He's not just a godfather in, in, in essence on the, on the movie. He's someone whose notes I take very seriously from the script to the edits. Uh, his music is a, a, an incredible, essential element of the design of the atmosphere and, and these characters. So uh, I, I have to say that this is it's just uh, a childhood dream come true as a kid that grew up being haunted by this movie and inspired by, the, uh, by his, his work. In, in and in the body of work entirely, from Big Trouble to They Live to Fog and the thing, like so many of his movies were were monumental to me. To actually get to to respectfully walk into his in, into his toy chest and say, "Let's play," is just is pretty fun.
0: Well, and we were having this conversation right before we uh, joined with you about uh, did he ever reveal to you why he never directed any of the sequels? Was it just because he was on this magnificent run? in the 80s of, of totally original projects?
6: I don't know. That would be a good question for him. I've never asked him. Um, but I'm, now I'm thinking about it. What sequels has he done?
0: I don't think any, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, so, no, so
6: maybe, no. you know, uh, and until this one, I had never done any. I kind of had a, 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 an aversion. to. I, a, we, we toyed with a Pineapple Express sequel, but never, never got oh, off the ground. So, oh. um, I, did, I had did he never... do
4: Escape from L.A.?
6: Oh, or is that I think he uh,
0: good. Good one. Yeah, did. of course. Yes, he did. Good call.
6: Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know that uh, this. I mean, this. It, I do know that this in in part of his mind was going to become an anthology, which is where Season of the Witch comes from, and uh, which is a film I really enjoy. Uh, but then went back to the Michael Myers saga, and that's where the franchise really has lived for the last few decades. And and to me, it's just important to have his his voice. Uh, a major contributor to what we're what we're doing
4: for sure um david i can't imagine anyone gets to the end of this film and isn't immediately looking forward to halloween ends and and you know i we're kind of in this era now where we're looking for you know a conclusion you know we're about to get it with bond and i think you know obviously we're going to get it with michael pretty soon once that happens should there never be another halloween again or is it up to another filmmaker to try to figure out how to sort of reinvent the wheel over again? Like, you know, or, you know how, how, how do you not make
6: more Michael Myers movies down the road? Uh, that's funny to even think about because, like, I, I'm certainly no authority of of culture, and at this point, Michael Myers has become movie monster mythology, mm-hmm. and so just as much as we'll see Wolfman's For Eternity, I have a feeling that our legacy Leatherfaces and Myers and Freddys, they're, they're, these guys are going to, are gonna come back in new forms and, and, and face the world in new ways and tell the, tell the bedtime story to more children. I think it's just, it's, it, it will, for me personally, as I, as I age and maybe get cranky and roll my eyes or laugh along with it, I think it's gonna be exciting to see what happens to the, the legacy of, of Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. Uh,
0: to that end, am I right to, to know that you're in pre-production on an Exorcist sequel? Is that still happening?
6: That's happening. Yes, I'm very excited so then, about then
0: that. Can you talk just a little bit about like lessons you've learned from doing this with Halloween? To you don't have to get into specifics, but maybe just how you approach a classic property and, and sort of reinvent it.
6: I, I approach uh, I approach horror movies with love, you know, because there's, there's so much of my life and in, in conversations and education that they don't get a lot of the respect, and and I, I feel like culture is is now at a point where there is that appreciation for that the communal experience of. Of what horror brings to 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 us to uh, to community, the horror community, and so um, I don't know. I feel uh, in some ways like it's going to happen, and I just want to make sure it's not uh, it's not done disrespectfully of the of the originators of that. So uh, th- there's certainly a compelling argument for why wouldn't a filmmaker want to tell a, a unique and individual story to himself? I look at it in a way as like I kind of. Am, am triggering and channeling communicating with myself at eleven years old when I was exposed to to these movies. And so many so many of the projects that I've worked on my entire career from my first film onward are are triggering that era of my life between I'd say eleven years old and fifteen years old where I'm discovering movies for the first time. I'm connecting with my own internal emotions for the first time, whether it be the boogeyman or the blues brothers. These are these are things that come out in other ways. And my uh I I use my work as my therapy, I gotta say. And so it's it's fun to connect with that kid that was so excited and optimistic and yet vulnerable. And now I get to um I get to tell my demons what to do a little bit and I like that.
0: That's
4: awesome. That's a great quote. I love that. That's a that's a great I was just gonna say that's a great line. Um <laughs> Dude, I, I'm a big Paul Rudd fan, and and I know that his the, the Halloween in which he is a part of is, is not a part of this timeline, um, but I also heard that there were there was at least an attempt to try to get him back, potentially, to play a role in this film, and I was just kind of wondering the details of, of what happened there.
6: Oh, that's right. Uh, so Paul Paul and I did a movie several years ago uh, that I hope everyone in the world sees called Prince Avalanche, and uh, it was just an amazing experience. It was the, uh, me and Paul and Emil Hirsch in the woods for 15 days shooting a, a very low-budget movie, and it was just such a blast, and, and um, it's just refreshing. When you see the the, um, the mountain of, of material that it takes to make a movie, this was not that. This was just stripped it all down, and so we became um, good buds after that, and I reached out to him when this kicked in thinking, like, it's too crazy of an opportunity not to at least see where he's at. And, and lucky for him, he was uh, in the ring with Reitman doing Ghostbusters, which another childhood uh-huh. dream come true. Uh, and so, that's, so it didn't work out timing-wise, but it's just fun to get his consultation. And, and I, got to, uh, I got to let Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall know that he got the thumbs-up from Rudd. Uh, so there's a, there's a fun—as much as there's a horror community and a community of fans, as I've gotten involved in this franchise, there's, uh, th- there's just great legacy characters and faces and voices that have— come through the franchise and you meet them at at Halloween conventions and you get to geek out and get their autograph. And that's so cool. Uh, and, 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 and some, some occasions like with Paul, I get to become their buddy and, uh, and keep them as a voice in my life and and work is is kind of, kind of, kind of special.
0: That's outstanding. Um, David, we love to talk about uh, specifics in terms of filmmaking and, um, I won't reveal any details about this character, uh, but there was a, well, there's a moment in the first movie because we're jaded and cynical, you know, critics sitting there, nothing really shocks us. But there's a moment in your first Halloween when Michael's walking through a house, and you you put in ADR of a baby crying. That I actually sat up and I was like, no, 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 Don't, do not do this. And you top it in this movie with um, a, a character falling from a very uh, from from a, a height uh, toward the pavement. I won't I won't go any further than that. But you do some elements to it to put us in the driver's seat. Uh, of that fall and i wonder if you can maybe just talk a little bit about the technicality of pulling that shot off because i really felt like i was i was with that person
6: (laughs) yeah well uh that's that's great it's a combination of of uh old school stunts jumping out a window of a building which is amazing and they don't do very often anymore so it's cool to be a part of that um where my friend jeff uh from new york got to jump out of a window onto you know as you see it and and that it's a very cool thing to stage and go through those safety protocols it's a it's a it's a dropping, putting a camera perspective in the right place, using visual effects to add hands in motion to make it really feel alive. Like you're you're in that character's point of view. And and it's and it's and it's the uh, the choreography of the swan dive from from uh, from actors and, and camera that uh, makes it all is. And then and then add add a splash of Christopher Nelson, our makeup artist, uh, abstract brush there at the end, just to put a little little kiss of uh, elegance on it.
4: Yes, oh, I love it. Was it. Gruesome. I love it. Uh, Dave, I have another very nerdy question for you because when both your last Halloween film and this one started, the thing that made me go ah was that you nailed the font, the, the the title card font from the original film. It's like it's not super crisp HD. It kind of it's got a little trail off the orange into the black, and and I just wonder how difficult it was to find just that exact font so that it looks like it came from. Nineteen seventy-eight, like that, it it makes me audibly
6: gasp every time I see it. Right, and and it's something specific. It's not just the details of the font itself, but it's the way that it kind of bleeds an imperfect yellow orange. Um, it's it's like almost like um a loose register. Um, and yes. So, so uh, and that's our friends at Cutting Edge and our production designer that literally from the pumpkins that we film practically to the font and its animated quality, there's, uh, trying to uh again do do the carpenter film justice and I think that's that's something that we take very seriously to put into our own our, our own films and then try to make something that's identifiable with each chapter so if the first one was a little bit more of a singular uh lantern experience, this one is uh, as we as we t- we called the movie in production we called it mob Rules because it kind of was about that that gathering of of, of excitement in a community uh, and so we have uh all of those pumpkins are are practically the blend of pyrotechnics and some subtle animations, tears of blood and some fun things uh, along the way that we're added, uh, added and embellished um, in our, in our title sequence. So that's really fun. And now I'm literally, literally yesterday, I was talking to our designers about how, how we take it to the next level on the third film.
0: All right. We have time for one more uh, before we have to wrap up, Uh, but I'm curious if you were able to shoot any stuff, during this production, that you know you could save, were the things that you just grabbed because you had people in the moment, uh, or did you really just focus on everything for, for Halloween Kills?
6: Not really. The, the third one, we we we, we switch gears a bit, and so it is. It's a jump in the future, and it's a it's a, a little bit of a changing of 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 um, of tone there. So uh, yeah, chapter chapter two was just it's letting it all loose, and it and it, it is. Um, hopefully a very satisfying middle chapter that shows the calamity and chaos of, of a town that's turned upside down by Michael Myers. And then and then we we take a beat, we jump in time and we figure out an intimate way to resolve the madness.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, David, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I just want to thank All you right. so much for bringing filming back to North Carolina. We're super proud of the work that you've done here. And uh, I hope that you continue to, to bring work back here and that you find the right resources that you need here. So thank you
6: right on thank you man
0: yeah and um we're out of time continued success with this franchise and thanks for coming on real blend we really appreciate it good talking to you guys we want to thank universal for giving us time with david gordon green Uh, the movie will be on peacock and in theaters starting on friday we're gonna give our review a little bit later on in the show
5: this episode of real blend is brought to you by marvel strike force Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool Anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
0: Uh, Let's get to talking points, Uh, real quick. We want to go over the Scream trailer. Obviously, we're recording this earlier in the week, so hopefully, everyone has had a chance to see it by now. Um, Scream. -um. How do you say? I watched it. it... (laughs) Scream. I'm going to call it Scream Five. I mean, from here on out. And um, you know, it's it's just like it's very much like Halloween Kills, which you just saw. It's bringing back the OGs uh, and putting them in a in a movie uh, that that advances the mythology, just like Ghostbusters is going to do soon. And you know, the new trailer looked fine. Nothing really grabbed me in it. It looks like another Scream movie. Um, I'm not sure they're doing anything extremely clever with it just yet, but it was an early tease. Jake, you might have seen something.
4: No, I just, I believe that they're. I, I believe that, to use a overused cliche, that that trailer is the tip of the, tip of the iceberg. I think okay. there is going to end up being a lot of things going on that they have not put in that trailer yet. I would not be surprised if there are entire plot points that we don't even know. I just, I refuse to believe... That they got Arquette, Courtney Cox, and, and Neff Campbell back by just doing a, hey, we're doing another slasher. Like, another I, I, I just So I, I think there has to be a hook that they're not ready to reveal yet. So I, I, the, the the basicness of the trailer doesn't concern me. That's if big. the movie ends up like that, then I'll be concerned. But I don't think the movie's going to be like that. What do Before you guys I throw
0: think? it to Kev, I want to add one thing. Um, we did get to do a set visit for Scream 5. Ooh, wait, did you guys go to the house? Oh. The Wizard no, no, World no. House? It was virtual. No, no, no. It was virtual. Oh. And we, uh, they didn't show us a whole heck of a lot. Um, and we talked to only the young cast. We didn't get any of the originals. Um, but the weird thing about it was, even though you're completely embargoed... Probably because you refer to them
4: as the old cast. Yes.
0: <laughs> they couldn't give any plot details. They would not give us any plot details. Even though when you do a set visit, you're embargoed out the wazoo and you yep. can't run anything until they tell you you can run it. They, The only thing they talked about was how much they, uh, they love the original franchise. So... Uh, yeah. Kev, you weren't that blown away.
3: No, I mean, here's... To be 100% honest with you, I, I don't need another Scream movie. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I, It's not like I'm clamoring for one. Um, I, I think they're going to have to go big on this one, and I think uh, in terms of what Jake was saying, I think that we're going to... I think in terms of a killer here, this has got to be a big deal, and I think that... I think it's going to end up being someone like a Courtney Cox or like, or like a David Arquette. Like, one of the OGs has, like... Okay has gotten so fed up with the history of it and like the, the hello as sydney long as it's is a, not sydney well yeah well, well no but that, the killer literally says yeah. hello sydney yeah. it's an honor um I love that but line. see like it's funny to me because like i bring this up jay and, and bob's right back um there's a right before they get to the goodwill hunting 2 hunting season scene they jump through they jump through a, jump through a west craven set where west craven's filming a screen they're movie. also
4: in screen 3
3: right uh, yeah oh, exactly but they're right. but right. they're filming a, a, a scream movie and the killer is a monkey um and <laughs> and, and, and and you know it's, it's kevin smith damn but it like, Wes. but what's funny about <laughs> that is what's also kind of the problem now is that like that joke was made in 99 or whatever sure. and it's like yeah. it's like okay all right we've seen uh, like you know what's who's the killer gonna be that's the whole bit now so i actually Scream one and two are great. I don't love three and four. Four, I thought was better than three. Weirdly enough, four is better um, than three.
0: No, three is three, 3 is, is known is, to be the 3 worst. Yeah. In the 3,
3: three is, is bad, bad
4: whenever you whenever you realize. And once I I read this, I was like, oh my god, it changed the movie for me. That Nev Campbell contractually only gave them like eight days. Yeah. For the movie. <laughs> and then when you see the movie, you go, yeah. oh my god, she's she's barely in it. Now she's yeah. scattered throughout to give you the illusion that she's in it a lot, sure. but she is barely in that movie that's
0: funny that sounds
3: like halloween kills to me a little bit Back. Oh, very well could be yeah well, we'll talk about
0: that in a little bit uh yeah. let's get to our so okay we made box office projections uh at the end of last yeah, we week's were so episode Oh, did we, right.
3: did we? All of us were so correct. I, I was celebrating all weekend. I, about I'm amazing. Right we were right all able to be right at the same time. <laughs> how, how can you do
0: um, retroactively go back to the last episode and edit that out? Because <laughs> Can't wait, do wait. That. I, I'm sorry. I, I was doing. Lives.
4: I was doing Kevin's prediction minus my prediction. That's
3: how I right. was doing the math.
0: Oh, well, that was kind of what it was.
4: My yeah. prediction
3: was a. Du- I was whatever Your prediction double. I gave was just a double <laughs> version. Doubling. of it. yeah right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: mine. I don't know if I'm if I said this during the show, but I said international divided by three so we but, were all
2: right so
4: you're yeah, welcome yeah, yeah. we were all we right no wonder you all yes. listen to this show
0: uh no time to die we all had it in the 90 to 100 i'll, I'll give inch. you what you guys i'll oh, give you don't there's uh, no need do, do that's, okay. To? No, 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 that's okay
3: no <laughs> wait 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 G-
0: give the real number yeah, I'm, gonna then, yeah. I'm gonna wrap game i'm gonna wrap game wait are we allowed to do that it did 55.2 no. <laughs> million domestically sure um but as jake Wisely pointed out to all of us, um, it did well. I thought it did over 300 international. 313.
3: So 313 is the worldwide total. Oh, I see, way, I see. I see. I see. Two and, 259
0: and, with another yes, and 313 million worldwide.
3: And Bond's an international franchise, anyways. Like For sure. if you look at the, if you look at Skyfall like that's the 1.1 billion of that movie 800 million of it is international 100 million so yeah. yeah but this still did open lower than Skyfall and Spectre because so, of the older crowd I think
5: so it yes. came in at 55.2 million domestic and you guys guessed oh boy. Um, let's see Jake guessed 90 to 95 million which was conservative at the time so wait so are you saying I won uh, totally. no Jeopardy rules um, you all lost <laughs>
0: Wait no, that's Price's Right rules. Price is Right rules.
5: What did I say? Jeopardy. 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 Uh, you're still wrong. Uh, 110 million is what Sean said, and I didn't Kevin it
0: into the form of a question. Either Kevin
5: said 95, uh, 125 billion.
4: Oh wow, <laughs> wow, that's
5: to Kevin's swing. credit.
4: Kevin did say yeah. He, he said this is maybe, crazy.
5: This is yeah. a crazy. Pretty. He did say so, that, and he was so he was right about that. I think he thought he was over by like maybe 25, not so let's
0: let's very quickly go around the horn and just discuss why we think it underperformed because i mean i don't think it's 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 wrong to say it underperformed 55.2 is not a number they were happy with um i am going to i i know the length is an option um i know that maybe bond fatigue is an option um i'm gonna chuck it up to to really just Oh God, I don't know what I'm going to chalk it up to because the Venom number means people do feel comfortable going back. Right. Um. So I guess it has to be length. Like a 90 <clears> minute <throat> movie can zip through, but a two and a half hour movie takes longer time. All right. It's, Kev, you disagree. It's not length.
3: It's older crowd skewed. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you exactly why. So look at every movie that has done well at the box office in this time period. Sure. Venom 2. Who does that skew to? What's that general Teenagers. age? Probably 13 Teen, to early twenties. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. Free guy. Who does that skew to?
0: Probably teens and twenties. Yeah.
3: Right. Who, who does Shang Chi, uh, uh, skew Marvel's to? Marvel.
0: Yeah. Marvel is Marvel. I think.
3: Okay. But Shang Chi's probably still a little younger on the age. I think so. So I'm going to use my parents as an example because every single movie I've mentioned and Jake, by the way, you're muted. Just, just a heads up. um, Every movie I've mentioned, Shang Chi, Free Guy, and uh, Venom Two, all crushed at the box office. Um, and again, they're all—I think—they're all younger skewing films. My mom and dad are vaccinated and still do not feel comfortable going to the theaters. So Bond, and I'm not saying your Bond is an older. I mean Bond. I'm sorry. Oh, it's Bond it's older. Does it is? It skews older. Definitely it does. Older. It just sure. definitely does. It's an adult um, franchise.
0: It, right. So I my think my kids, my teenage kids, don't care a damn about they. That's right. so know. interesting. Yeah. So
3: what's fascinating is if you think about it, Bond and like the Mission franchise, like these films that we think are going to open massively, um, I, I feel like they they seem to underperform, and in this case, particularly. Because the older crowds aren't ready to go back yet or they're just ready for it to come out um, at home, which is which scares me about Dune, because I don't know where Dune skews in terms of like age. Um, But I I really do believe this was an age thing. I don't think the length had anything to do with it. I really believe that like my mom and dad were like, Kevin, I want to see James Bond, but I'm not going to the theater to see it. So it's like that, how many people were like my parents? So, um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with Dune because Dune's a weird one. Jake, do you guys what do think, you think?
4: I was just going to ask you guys, do you think it has legs? I, th- yeah. I, think, I think week two is going to be a huge um, determining factor of... Now, look, I don't, I don't think there's any conversation about whether or not it's a success. You look at the worldwide numbers and yes, it is a successful film. Um, of course. And, and so the domestic numbers, it's not even, you know, I mean, can you, it's not even like a quote unquote american film it's not an american character it belongs to you know another country so we are just another country in which this film is playing so it doesn't really matter whether it does I 300 million want, or 200 million here
0: i want to argue that if if they really wanted to go for a big opening number like marvel loves a big opening number fast yeah. and furious wants a big opening number yeah bond didn't play into the marketing campaign of there's a ton of spoilers. Be be the first one in the conversation. Yeah. You know they did talk they about did, Craig's they, last they, they one. Did, they
4: did play into like this is the end legacy.
3: Yeah, for
0: sure, Craig's last but, one.
3: But guys, this is this is the key here. This is every this is I mean, this is the most. This is to me. This is exactly what happened. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. this this is interesting to me. I know it's Marvel, but Shang Chi did 75 million opening weekend. Yeah, unknown character, unknown star. Yep. And I know the Marvel brand is consistent, but that's still a massive number. It's a huge number. Yeah. James Bond is such a much a, big of a char- bigger character in pop culture than Shang-Chi sure.
0: is. Absolutely.
3: So like all the kids who went out to see Shang-Chi, that's what Bond was missing. They're missing that younger enthusiasm. Because the younger people are the ones who want to get out. I, I was doing a, a live shot the other day at a high school, and they were telling me that their stands... Where the students stand and watch the football games are mm. doubled than what they ever used to be before the pandemic, because mm. younger kids have been so pent up and home. Oh yeah, that's 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 why Venom did ninety million. It's a fun ninety-minute like PG thirteen comic book film. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I, but I am surprised. But you do you, you do know this is the fourth highest
4: opening bond of all time, though. But not adjusted an, for uh, inflation. Inflation, like it's, like um, Specter, is significantly higher. Um, quantum is significantly higher. It's, uh, all right.
0: Well, we'll check and see what week two looks like. And if the movie in fact does have legs, but we want to emphasize again, that over 300 million, you know, out the gate is makes it a success. It's just interesting to see how films are playing Uh, more so to apply that, that reaction or that knowledge to movies that are coming down the pipe. Things like Eternals, um, things like if if Dune opens
4: poorly in the States, but grosses half a billion worldwide, that sequel is going to relit, train lit. Now,
3: Eternals is long, so it is. that's going to be interesting.
0: It'll be a factor. And talk about not knowing anybody. I mean, the cast, yes, but not those characters. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to learn a lot about some interesting DC projects uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, we're recording it earlier in the week. You guys will hear this starting on Friday, and as of Saturday... Warner brothers is unveiling a lot of information for some anticipated projects at DC fandom. The second of these events that are taking place. The first one was actually really exciting. I was thinking about this earlier in the day. That's when I got to see the Snyder cut trailer for the very first time. Oh my God. Has it been that long? Yeah. That's when it was Uh, Snyder dropped the full uh, uh, Zack Snyder's justice league trailer during fandom uh, at the, uh, at that event, which is really strange too, because that was the first event that teased uh, the flash where they talked about Michael Keaton coming back and now we're going into fandom and they're still going to be talking about the flash because everything's been pushed back. Uh, We expect to see Jason Momoa potentially giving some information about uh, Aquaman and the lost kingdom. There's a Shazam movie that they've been filming. Obviously Dwayne, the rock Johnson is going to be coming by with black Adam. Uh, And I know that we're anticipating seeing a second full trailer for matt reeves's the batman um i'm excited to see that i think we've seen a, a decent amount of that if i had to pick the one thing out of fandom that i'm most looking forward to and i want to let you guys know that if you're listening to this episode after fandom has happened obviously we're going to have a ton of content on cinema blends uh, yeah. main page and of course our youtube channels and we'll probably be the guys will be talking about different things on their socials um i want to see keaton as batman like I do really think we're do going want to? to see. Yeah, I I, I do think we're gonna get a a shot, like one quick shot. I just got chills just thinking. Do we see him uh, as Batman uh, or as Bruce Wayne? Ooh, um, I think you'll see him as Batman. I do. Ooh. Well, I, I do think and, we're gonna see him as Batman.
3: But this goes back to the conversation we had uh, a few weeks ago about whether or not you wanted to see Garfield and McGuire sure. in the No Way Home trailer. Mm. And I I wonder why that why you feel different about that because oh, that's because a good it's inter- be, because like I like we know Keaton's... well I guess the difference is that we know Keaton's in the movie there that's you the go difference. That's, that's the difference that's so, the difference but we all know McGuire and and Garfield are in the movie too it's we does not know confirm do, yes, we, don't, we, do. I don't. we do I don't do I don't
0: do he's the werewolf uh,
3: <laughs> but but I will say like I mean in the in this instance like. He's already gone on talk shows, told told everybody that he loved wearing the suit again, and you know that's why it. you can show it. That's why you can show it. That yep.
4: and in all honesty, There's a like, great interview on YouTube where he talks about it. If you'd like to watch, <laughs> this is true.
3: <laughs> and he also, and if you if you think about it, if you think about it, like that's the money shot. I mean, oh, yeah. Now, I will say this though: does so that they're going to give it, it away this far? Does does that take it away from Pattinson though?
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, that's
4: a great point. Because that is if, a good well, point. If, I would say that, really... that that I mean they
5: they should have considered that you know before they decided this is how they wanted to treat the <laughs> universe.
0: <laughs> well, are they but, opening but, near each other? They are. They're opening like October, November next year. Uh, I, no, I think.
4: No, no. Um, the Batman is March, isn't it? Or do they push it back again? I'll
0: double oh, check. I don't know. All right. That Please trailer. Check. That it, trailer is got.
3: It's going to be Pattinson focused. Uh, well, I will say, and I I gotta say, the trailer they released with the Nirvana Michael Giacchino... April? April for uh uh, April, uh no, Mar- no,
5: March 4th March, March oh, 4th wow. Oh that's good.
3: But, that trailer we got for the Batman with Pattinson and like the the Nirvana track with Giacchino By the way, if you Sick. have if you if you never heard our Jackino uh, Michael Giacchino interview on Real Blend, uh he breaks down kind of how that came together where his music combined with um Nirvana's song. Um it's interesting like yeah, do you put Keaton there to, and then you take cuz I mean what's everyone going to talk about? Keaton
5: yeah you're right uh, i don't know great, i, I think um i think the i think the fandom the fandom itself is uh mm. i think they'll enjoy both enough I don't, I don't think they have too much to worry batman's batman yeah, I think it, be pass- is a,
0: it is a glut a glut of batman content though
5: sure but like they always have batman comics batman animated stuff there's sure. a t- batman video game stuff batman's always doing something because he is
0: so batman. The Flash movie, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up the, the date on all of this, but in addition to having Michael Keaton, um, Ben Affleck is in it uh, playing his version of Batman. They cast that girl as uh, there's a super girl in it.
1: Um, yeah, and God. they
0: there's a rumor going through that. Um, uh, Fiora, I believe her name is um, the one who was a Kryptonian who fought next to Zod. Uh, she got ban- uh, banished into the negative zone Um with uh chris christopher, christopher maloney i believe uh the actor's name is when they were fighting on the ship and then the ship goes through the deal and mm. f- she's rumored to be in this as well too like she's gonna emerge from uh not the negative zone the phantom zone negative zone is fantastic Four. So there's going to be a, a ton of characters that are going to be in this. Yeah. And poor Ezra Miller, he's like, isn't this my movie kind of thing?
3: But, and then for some reason, I did hear that the, the end of the Batman trailer is going to be Nolan saying, I'm Batman, but in Bale's voice. Like they're going to, they're going to cut to Nolan. Or he's, like, he's, he's, gonna, yeah, or he's just going to do the Michael Jordan thing and just say, I'm back. I'm back. That I'm, would <laughs> be. It's just going to cut to Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. <Batman. laughs>
0: what if Nolan is wearing <laughs> hockey pads?
3: Dude. You're talking about like, like dream stuff. Could you imagine if no, someone no, no. ever? No, I I,
4: I'm back to hating this podcast. If Hold someone on. ever got
3: like a photo of Nolan playing hockey and then like did a meme about it, I mean <laughs> that, that would be the greatest thing I've ever seen. That's not in true because we
0: did see the greatest thing that Kevin's ever seen, and he hasn't oh. heard it yet. But as at the Directors Guild, don't uh, even
3: cr- get me started.
0: Christopher Nolan moderated q and A Q&A with uh, Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> How Christopher not, Nolan, have you listened to it yet?
3: no i I tried looking for it and like so chris nolan uh, for people who aren't aware of this this is really cool he's obviously such a fan of the stuff we are that he goes to these dga things and just interviews his heroes like he did he (laughs) he taking our jobs nolan (laughs) he did one i think he did one with michael mann pacino and de niro for heat i think he did one with um uh, either Spielberg or something—it's unbelievable. It's so cool that he does it. And um, this Denis one, so I'll give a little tease um, when uh, for next week for our interview with Denis Villeneuve, um, he he geeks out about Tenant, which is really really cool. Um, and uh, so for for people out there who are waiting for that interview, um, Denis obviously a big Nolan fan, um, and he's using uh, a lot of uh, Nolan's and a huge inspiration for him. So it was cool to hear him talk Here. about that. But yeah.
0: Here's my so favorite cool. bit about that. Kevin shared the photo, I believe, um, of yeah. the two of them together. And Jake's yeah. first response was, I wonder if they mentioned us.
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do the two of them have in common? They've both been on they both. This what else so would so there be so to talk about?
0: Yeah, yeah. But Denis yeah. was like, I haven't been on yet. They didn't run my episode They've yet. Been, they, they, haven't yeah, they haven't run it yet. All <laughs> I'm
4: saying is, I've only been in Forbes one time, but 100% of my
0: Forbes articles mentioned RealBlend. What if he was like? uh, Did you listen to the premium?
5: Oh god! Well, that is not a French Canadian accent. That no, was terrible. That, that was, that was awful.
0: horrible. I know. Well, I he'll never they... come off. <laughs> yeah, He's not coming is... on for part two. Oh, they made me scream no. Dunkirk at the end. <laughs> oh <You laughs> <You> my <can't. laughs> god! Oh my Stop. god! What Stop. is happening? You're I don't fresh old.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Which ironically, yeah. you didn't do that accent when you said, "I'll be booked." Oh, I should have. Right? The I'm greatest, greatest joke in the history of this podcast. That's pretty
0: good uh let's get to this week in movies we have two big films that are gonna be opening up um both on the big screen one exclusively uh and one also coming to the mega streaming service of peacock (laughs) poor david gordon green when he got told that uh let's start with the last duel i thought that was a joke that's really happening halloween kills is gonna be on peacock yeah yeah peacock the
3: name bothers
0: me yeah oh everything about it's terrible the the yeah, interface but to be fair, the,
4: the, the name hbo max used to bother me now i just rattle it off like it's nothing hbo max sounds fine Pe-
3: halloween kills peacock. opening on peacock oh, sounds peacock. <laughs> like- <laughs> it just sounds
0: a little strange to me <laughs> terrible and he said in a uh he did A Q&A this past weekend um and said that the main reason he was okay with it going to streaming service and then we'll get to a review in a second is because he knew that like halloween ends getting into production and they had to get through that story and he just wants people to be able to see it like i was it was so refreshing to hear a director be like i'm tired i'm tired of my movie getting pushed back yeah you know like just get it in front of the audience and
4: he doesn't need this movie to do well for the you know it's gonna do well but he doesn't need this
3: this is a buffer film yeah this film is just just a middle yeah
0: um, I want to get to the last duel. So this is Ridley Scott's film um, set during medieval time and tells the story of a sexual assault uh, that is told from three different perspectives. And it's it's in a, uh, a unique chapter structure where you get uh, the perspectives of first Matt Damon's character, then uh, Adam Driver's character, and finally Jodie Comer's character. And um, I, maybe I just went into this because we were joking on some of the episodes that Ridley wasn't doing press for last duel and he was saving it for Gucci and we were like oh maybe because <clears throat> last duel isn't that good and then watching it i was floored by by how good it was and um and and i we're going to acknowledge right off the bat that it's extremely uncomfortable like the subject matter is very difficult it doesn't shy away from how uncomfortable uh the situation of the sexual assault is um and the fact that it is like grotesquely dated in its thought process in terms of uh, the balance of power, uh, both in uh, gender relations and po- uh, politics at the time, like there's an elite class and there's there are the, the peasants, there's the haves and the have nots. And this movie leans very heavily into it. Um, and it, it almost feels like there are there are things that happen in the movie that are so shocking in the way that the, they're imbalanced that you you sort of reel and you say like oh my god how can they and then you're like oh okay I it's right it's a medieval yeah. movie that's mm-hmm. probably how it was but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily buffer the impact of some of the horrific things that happen in this movie um, but part of the reason why I said that it is uh, as fantastic as it is, is is really the craft and the structure of it like I, I mean obviously I'm not breaking news to tell you that Ridley Scott's a fantastic <laughs> filmmaker he's talented. Um, But the script is amazing. Uh, It's written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Uh, And then Nicole Hall of Center. You call him Sir, by the way. Sir Ben Affleck? Sir Ridley Scott. Sir Ridley Scott. Scott. (laughs) Yes, that's fair You've referenced him three times. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Inside joke if you've
3: seen the movie. yeah,
0: yeah. The third chapter is written... I thought this was an incredibly smart decision. They brought in Nicole Hall of Center to write the the perspective from Jodie Comer's character. And... um, Matt Damon was telling us that, or maybe he was telling one of you two, I, I can't, I'm blacking out where I saw it, but like, oh, as ben, ben Affleck said, like, I can tell you how her uh, contributions changed it because the way we would have done it, you know, would have been one-sided and, and relatively, not bad, but, you know, just not nearly as, mm. as graceful as it was the way that she handled it. Jodie Comer, I know we were raving about her for Free Guy, uh, for, for how good she was in Free Guy she's on she's incredible in this film and has a um a really really difficult part to play not just because you know but like the subtleties of the way that the story is told in each of the different chapters are not minuscule but you really have to be paying attention to how different character motivations shift and move hers in particular uh changes from one chapter to the next and by the time you finally get to hers it's outstanding um it's long but it never lost my interest Uh, and you know, some of the period specific battles, including the duel itself, not giving it away, but there's a duel in it are phenomenally filmed. Um, so I highly, highly recommend this. And I think you guys agree. Kev, you're with me on this.
3: Yeah. And, and it's interesting because like people, people look at the film and they, and, and and you see Ridley Scott and you see some of the, the scope of it. And if you're looking for gladiator style filmmaking out in terms of like, Scale and an action outside of the, the the tragedy of the story itself—it's all—it's there. I mean, this mm. is the guy who directed Gladiator, and it feels like it. I mean, it's orchestrated battle sequences that are that that are just incredibly well designed. What's interesting about it is that's just like that's like just part of the movie. um uh, Jodie Comer, uh, my wife—I want to give my wife Lauren credit—has been on the Jodie Comer train for years now with killing eve uh and so when free guy came around she's like you're my god you're interviewing jodie Comer." i'm like i don't really know who she is i'm excited about ryan reynolds but like and then you see free guy and you're like oh my god she's an amazing actor yeah um uh but she is absolutely incredible in the role um the brilliance of the perspectives uh, the Kurosawa aspect. I know that the that Affleck and Damon have kind of said that that wasn't exactly what they were going for, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's Rashomon. It's mm. it's 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 a tragedy that happens, and it's three different perspectives. Um, but the brilliance of the movie is having the actors do little nuanced things differently in in the same in the same scene so the pers- and i asked uh the cast if they just shot all of those perspectives on the same day versus resetting back up and that's what they did they, they would like they would so all right here's here's damon's perspective let's shoot it this way boom cut now let's go back here all right jody you're gonna smile this way this time versus the way you smile oh, here interesting. that's
0: interesting that's yeah i never thought about that
3: yeah that was so that was one of the things that they talked about was because like in the movie and I'll give this, this is a great example. So like, for example, there's a scene in the film, this is not a spoiler, but there's a scene in the film where like Jody's character smiles at Adam driver, mm. but from driver's perspective, that smile is something different. Right. And mm. then for her, from her perspective, it means something completely different. Wow. Um, and the little nuances of that, they would set up the day, they would shoot it. And then they would, they would say, all right, now we're in Jody's perspective. So just switch it, do it this way. Um, and you don't, you don't realize how powerful a subtlety like that really is in terms of like a storytelling tool. Um, And I walked out of this film when it ended and and the publicist comes over and it's, and I I was like, what I just watched was incredible, but I don't know that I enjoyed it. Like, you know, know, like how do you tell someone that this is an enjoyable film, but at the same time, it is one of the best stories about a hero that I've ever heard. Mm. Uh, I never, I didn't know anything about marguerite and the what she was up against i mean you have have to understand at this time period as sean mentioned not only was she sexually assaulted and had to come forward with it she also had to have her husband's approval to get to even take it to the court systems sure like you you couldn't even
5: like i mean think about that for a second i mean it's unreal Um, the, the the language they use which is a grotesque but true was that it wasn't a um, I, I forget exactly how they say, it, but they say it wasn't like an, a personal affront. It was an issue of property, and yeah. that she yeah. was her husband's property, yeah. yes. and he had to sue because of because of an abuse to his property, which is like, which is is there's wild. there's examples yeah. throughout yeah. it that are very like very punch you in the gut examples of that, but there are even subtle ones that he uses, like when it opens and there's like a court jester or someone who's like introducing the duel and he says uh like gentlemen knights and noblemen and he only mentioned he never even mentions ladies mm. or or anything like that and it's like yeah. there are these subtle cues of where he's really trying to hit home mm. of just how just how different the levels they are placed in society uh and it, it's brilliant the way he does and
3: it. there's like there there's a line in the film uh, again and this is a true story but like the, the reason why the character is such a hero is because of what she stood up against and to give a perspective actually to come forward and help women like that um is incredible because there's there's this line that's said about like I am I'm going try- to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it about like a, like a, a woman essentially like actually I won't, I won't get into it because it maybe deals with a spoiler about something that happens in the story so okay. I'll I'll, I'll yeah, save it but fair. it's a it's a line <laughs> about uh, what a woman should do then from another woman's perspective, like, oh no, you should do this to protect this. Mm. um But you, your 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 want to be heard is not as important as this, which is what what this character is basically saying to her. You know, you um, know what
0: line really struck me as weird though, Kev. What? When Ben Affleck looked at the camera and he said, "I don't know, duel. What are we gonna do?"
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> duel. Jay and Bob Strike No, but the movie, <laughs> the movie, the, the, the movie
5: is great. Affleck is great uh, in it too, by the way. Affleck's driven. great.
3: Driven. Damon disappears. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I saw someone on Twitter say this, and then we'll get to Jake. Um, nothing Ben Affleck does in this movie should work. <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't understand. For, like, I like, get like first at first as like, because his character's a little jokey in a weird way. And like, at first I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on here? And I'm like, but, yeah. but wait, but why is this working? Like, why is this weirdly working? Um, and so that's something I thought was really interesting that like that they went there with that. There's a little weirdly a weird comical aspect. to. Some I want to
0: go back and watch it just for Affleck, to be honest with you. He's so I, mean, I kind of want to just go back and see his parts.
3: It's, it's a really it's a really good character. Um, shout out to Driver, too, Yeah, uh, because I don't think everyone's going to talk about Comer, which they should. She should, but right, I,
5: for me, she's she's got the win that, for my money.
3: She point. should win Best Actress right now. Done over. We ha- we, ha- we haven't seen Spencer yet. I, mm. Driver in those scenes though, that is some mean stuff. And I don't know uh. how he went there. And that dude, like, I don't think he's going to be talked about that because he is the quote unquote
4: villain of the story.
3: Also, but, I think
0: we've just come to expect things like that from him. Like, we just expect him to be good, he's, and it's he's very powerful. That's
4: good that that too. I also <laughs> think people have the ability to separate an actor from an like from the yeah, character. That, like I, I don't I don't think anyone's gonna like as great as Adam Driver is in this movie. I don't think anyone's gonna look at that and like have it change no. their perception of yeah yeah yeah. It's a dirty character.
3: It's a really mean, <laughs> yeah. But, it, but a lot of great actors have to. amazing
4: histories of playing dirty characters. And it and doesn't to, necessarily. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: uh, Jakey, do you like it as much as we do? Uh, I think you yeah.
4: Absolutely, much. I absolutely absolutely love this film. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting um, whenever I was speaking with with Ben and Matt and Nicole. And they were talking about the challenges that Nicole had, in particular, with writing this film. Is that uh, Ben and Matt had a lot of records to go through to base their characters' perceptions on, and the other male characters' perception on? Because at that time, the only people who were really allowed to keep records and put pen to paper were men. Were men. Uh, there are no first, you know, or no, not not really that many first count perspectives uh, from a woman at the time. So for Nicole to be given. Uh, a huge chunk of the film, and arguably the most important chunk of the film, to be told from a perspective of which there are no records told from, mm-hmm. um, is really she had the most like, you know uphill battle. Um, you know, Gabe and I saw it the same night, and, and he and I were texting back and forth, and, and what's horrifying about this, and, and yes, look, this, this took place uh, literally hundreds of years ago, and 14th the, you know, century. Just, yeah. Yeah. But there aren't that many changes. I think you would need to make to the story, to set it in 2021 and basically tell the same story. Um, we're, I think we're still in, in a world where we're, we're fighting to, to make sure that women are believed. And I think we're still fighting in a world where you know, women aren't able to say what they have a right to say about themselves. And you know, it's, it's as, as wild as it is to hear a lot of the things that you guys mentioned, uh, about, you know, things, you know, wh- whether someone was, was considered a piece of property or, or they weren't addressed whenever the duel was announced. Um, there are a lot of things where you go, yeah, uh, 14th century shit hasn't changed that much. And that's to me, that was one of the most striking things walking out of that movie in the same way that, you know, to obviously in a completely different world, uh, you take Shakespeare and put it in high school there are a lot of aspects of Last Duel that you could put in 2021 and you wouldn't be that different of a movie. Oh. And to me, that is one of the most horrifying things about oh, the film yeah. and one of the things that Ridley does best um, about both separating the worlds and bringing them together. But, but for me, yeah, it's, it's a technical, technical marvel of a film. Um, and I am honestly, it, it's a movie. Sometimes I, you know, I'll really like a movie and then as the days pass, I go, ah, you know, maybe I didn't like that as much as I did. I really liked it walking out. And I think with every day that passes, I think I love it more.
3: It's excellent. Give it a chance. See it in a theater. Um, It's not an easy watch, but I think that people need to learn her story. I I, I actually feel honored through cinema that I now know her story Um, because like it's it's such an important story to hear. And what this woman did or what Marguerite did was just incredible and Uh, and, and, amazing.
0: All right. So that opens in theaters exclusively. Uh you'll have the option to go to theaters uh or potentially watch Halloween kills on streaming. And Jake, Ng, I'm gonna start with you. Because you again are Resident Halloween guy, our resident horror guy. Uh how did you feel about David Gordon Green, guest of the show? Guest of the show. Uh, about his his chapter, his, his sequel in the the trilogy that he's putting together.
4: I uh I, I was fairly disappointed in it, if mm-hmm. if I'm gonna be honest with you. Um you know, there are a lot of things on paper that I should have loved, you know, bringing back original characters from the original film, um, you know, obviously has worked for me when it comes to other films in the past. It, this film felt insignificant. It felt like, uh, you know, it, just to get us from A to C. Uh, you know, and, and here's, I, I don't think this is a massive spoiler, and, and Gabe, if it is, go ahead and cut it out, but like, a Halloween film exists in which Jamie Lee Curtis does not meet up with Michael. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Um, uh, and and that just astounds me. And I guess logistically, you know, as as David said, I guess like logistically logistically it makes sense. But like, I didn't particularly care about really any of the other characters, and so it really was. It really just it got to a point where it felt long, as as brutal as it was. By like halfway through, it it committed the worst sin of all. Is it just sort of felt boring, and it got to the point where like with every character that was killed off, something that should be horrifying me, I just kind of thought. Well, there's one left to go, like one, one less that we have to cut, get through to get to the, like, I just sort of felt like if, if I were to ever rewatch these films again, I would just do Halloween and then, in theory, hopefully Halloween ends. <laughs> yeah, um, you don't know yet. Just, just, uh, this doesn't, <clears throat> you know, this film did, really did, did very little for me. I will say, there is, without getting into spoilers, there's one scene that I love that may have been my favorite scene in the entire movie that Kevin hated, which I find fascinating, Without giving it away, it is Michael trying to decide just what the right knife is. And I oh. loved that. I <sighs> thought that was wickedly funny. I thought it, it gave me a little twinge of like into his psyche. Mm. Just how much of like a weird perfectionist he might be about his kills. <laughs> There's something about the thought of this Goldilocks and the Three Bears atmosphere feeling of of Michael Myers going, that's not the right knife. That's not Mm. the right knife. That's not the right knife that I thought.
5: Does he have an Australian accent in your head when he says that? No, 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 that's a
4: knife. Um, No, I I thought that was brilliant. we I I thought that was on the show. That's (laughs) right. Uh, Kevin, I thought it was interesting that 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 scene in particular was the one that that bothered you the most. And that was, that was for me, one of the few saving graces of this entire film. There's a
3: reason why that scene and it's funny because you and I had different perspectives on that scene as to what was going on. And sure. I, 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 I was viewing it not the way you were viewing it. I was viewing it from the other perspective, which we won't go sure. into. Sure. Um, this film is completely unnecessary. Um, so here's, and I said, I said this on the podcast, in the 2018 film came out. You, you got rid of every sequel. You bookend Halloween 78 and 2018. Your movies are both called mm-hmm. Halloween. Like, you have this phenomenal moment where three generations of Strodes are in a moment where they can kill Michael Myers. From a story perspective, that's brilliant. Like, like the overarching idea, 40 plus years later, three generations, it took three incredible women to kill this psycho killer, right? I
0: agree with you 100%. Yeah. The ending of Halloween 2018 is... It's the right ending for the franchise, Thank you. and then all of
3: a sudden, you know, they're driving off and and we, and and now this one we know Michael's back. like at the end of the day, I understand we live in a world where movies are business. I get it, I understand it. I get the business that we are in. but for me the the it's take my immersion's taken away when I know when when it feels like business. Hmm. This feels like a business movie. This does not feel like a story pushing forward. It's a buffer film for uh some type of finale we may get. We I mean, we're going to we'll, the assumption is that she'll meet up with Michael again and eventually actually kill him. That's prop that that's what we're all I guess all ends for god's sake. Ends, right. So, um that being said, uh the script Now, one thing I will give these movies credit for and I told Jamie Lee Curtis this which I think is interesting. Um in a horror film like this or a slasher film, the kills are like it's it's can become a thing, but they do handle mental health and grief well in these mm-hmm. movies. Um and kind of like the in, in in just in terms of what of what this would do to somebody so many decades later and then their family. Um, they did it really well on the first one. I thought the first one was uh, two thousand and eighteen was like a uh, was a was a mental health movie about kind of like the about about what it did generationally. So there are moments in this film that I, I that I think are interesting. It's nothing to do with Myers. It's more of like it's more of her character and dealing with like some of the older characters that return. um but overall, the script it, it, the dialogue, uh I love Anthony Michael Hall, but he's not good in the movie. Um, it's a bad performance, uh, just bad Is do- it or,
4: or was it, I couldn't decide if it was him or the dialogue. script, because there's yeah. a lot of lines, like, like, yeah. I felt like he was giving it as all, but when 80% yeah. of your lines are evil dies tonight, I mean, you can only mm. say that so many different ways. Well,
3: I just, I just found myself watching this movie. And it just felt so meaningless, like, like, and it was, and I, and I get that everyone's excited for a Halloween film. And, but I, I also don't think we should be in a society where we're celebrating Michael Myers killing people. It's like in the, in the sense of like, this is, this is, this is a movie where Michael Myers is the star and you are being entertained by his kills. That's yeah, what this movie Yeah, but that's, I is. think that's a
5: bridge too far. I haven't seen the film, but I think that's a bridge you- too far. I, I think it's a horror movie. I think there are plenty of people that have good fun seeing about how a movie can, can elevate the scares, can elevate the kills. I would agree I, with Gabe on that. It's like saying that Grand Theft Auto was the reason that, you know, kids are violent. Like, See, it, I, I, I just disagree with that. I think that's it, a weird, it, there, I, think it's, I think that's a mix-matched sort of reasoning. I don't know. But for I understand me, though, that it's not your cup of tea. That's totally fair. But I, I think it's a bit too far to say that it has no place in our world.
4: I mean, because you you were talking about how cool it was to see Johnny Depp sucked into the bed and the blood coming out of it.
5: Right. But like, but but see,
3: to me back then, even with the 78 Halloween, what, five people die in that film? And now the death counts are are, are doubled and tripled. And I'm not saying, listen, I I get I get where we are. Listen, I was first in line to see Saw when I was in college because I was I couldn't wait to see what the heck they were going to do with this. And then, of course, you get addicted to this stuff. It's like that that becomes the entertainment value. Um. The kills in the 2018 film I felt were more substance and story related, and the kills in this one just feel like
4: a
0: game for I mean, Michael that's, that's, to play that's
4: 30 years <clears throat> and, and, of horror sequels though yeah let
0: me let me add a different perspective um, because I think that these movies should be made for an audience who doesn't care about the stories of the characters. Um, we were talking earlier about the teenagers are the ones who are coming out to the movie theater, right? Sure. Um, so I watched this movie first uh, in preparation for The Junket, and I was on the same page with you guys. I thought it was... Uh, I understand what they're trying to say about... I was really disappointed that the three main lead female characters who were so important to the first movie are completely sidelined in this movie. Like, there's just nothing for them to do. They're yep. largely in a hospital, um, and they're every once in a while talking about what happened the night before, but it's the, the, the baton has been passed to all these townsfolk who, like you guys... I didn't, I didn't invest in, I didn't care who they were. <clears throat> the night after I watched it in preparation for the junket, my um, PJ wanted to watch it with a bunch of his friends and my screener link still worked. And so I said, sure, throw it on the TV downstairs. And they loved it because they don't care about the backstory of yeah, but who Laurie Strode is. And they tell don't people care. what they were
3: doing during it though.
0: Oh well, they're, yeah. They're teenagers. Come on, they, be honest. They were talking to each other. Uh they were texting. And texting and but that's how teenagers so saying, watch saying, To be movies fair, teenagers nowadays. do that in a
4: movie theater. So it's not This you know. is how
0: they watch movies nowadays. They are not as invested in um a, you know backstory or motivation the way that we have conversations uh, on this show about things that we think are really important in movies. I think that there's still a place for now I'm not even saying that that Halloween kills is a good example of one, but I, there's absolutely a place um for a better made uh movie where it's just sometimes scary you know some of the characters are broadly written and comically so there's a couple in this in this movie too where when you meet them you're like oh you're easily going to be mm. um you know fodder for the for the killer coming um but it's sad to me that it's being positioned in the middle of a trilogy that could have been really special, I think. Yeah. Um, But so far right now has one really good movie and one that hasn't necessarily worked just yet. So
4: I, so I sort of I, feel about these movies, kind of how I feel about the Jurassic park films, which is like a majority of them that come out. Like I don't like them by the time I see them, but I'm still going to get freaking jacked when a new one comes out because I want to show, I want to show up and I want to see, whether it be Michael Myers or dinosaurs rip into people, I'm there for it every time. And, And even if I'm disappointed walking out, I still just want the spectacle of it happening in front of my eyeballs. And even though I didn't like Halloween kills, bet your ass I'll be there for Halloween ends and even though I didn't like uh Fallen Kingdom you bet your ass I'll be there for Dominion like I'm there it's just a matter of like just seeing it again just literally seeing it I just want to see Well it. that's
5: kind of that's that's kind of what these studios are betting on with all these franchises right? Yeah, right like the ones that aren't maybe as meticulous as Marvel are going like yeah we don't really need it to be good we just need it to be exciting <laughs> yeah. we need it to Give exist me-
0: Give me malignant, you know, over
5: another Halloween movie, because at least it's
0: trying something different. Yeah, But I think that's
5: something the industry has always battled with. Like, I think they've always battled with of what's the big commercial thing that we can flash in front of people's eyes that they're familiar with versus the exciting new thing that 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 might have a chance to be one of those down the
3: line to Gabe's to Gabe's point, though. I mean, yes, uh, I will say as I get older, there's something about um unnecessary violence that is start just started to struck struck strike me differently in a different way and i and i um because I, I i'm not i was one of those people who would go to those movies as i mentioned um but like for example i just finished watching squid game on netflix Um I'm only
5: i'm only in, i'm only through the first episode it's it's good so
3: well all right I, i'm not gonna get into anything but <laughs> sure the talking about violence and 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 the way violence is used in a story. Mm-hmm. Um that show is so brutal that after episode 6 I had to stop and like give myself a break. Um but the difference between Squid Game and Halloween kills and the deaths in Squid Game are way more brutal, way more violent, way more people die is that there was substance good characters good story and that's why i kept watching it it didn't feel like i was unnecessarily watching people die for no reason sure 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 so when i'm watching the halloween kills film i'm just like he's walking into someone's house i'm like i it just emotionally doesn't i need something there for that i will say this and it's this the last thing i'll say on this and then we'll go then we'll move on to the blend game and the review there's a there's a scene in this movie in Halloween Kills that is amazing. Um, all I'll tell you is it deals with Kyle Richards and a swing set and a uh, on a, on a playground. Um, I thought that entire sequence was great. Um, oh, interesting. Th-
5: they really uh, don't go any more detail on it, but they did release like a big part of that in the in like a trailer. Great um, scene. And I thought it was going to be the opposite. I was like, ah, that kind of looks feels out of place but in the trailer kind of thing. So that's mm-hmm. I, I'm glad to hear that it's it's actually great.
3: It's it's a, and and if you're a, if you're a Halloween fan, that scene itself is a callback to the 78 but also um there's some easter eggs in that scene. I like that scene. That's the only scene that I think Lauren and I were talking about. like that's that was a good scene. That was it.
0: All right. Uh let's get to the blend game. This week's blend game to talk about Michael Myers and whether he's human or not <laughs> uh is getting into supernatural. And supernatural is a uh, kind of an open definition. You can go a couple different ways with it. Uh we're playing hashtag #supernatural movie blend and uh, I'm going to start with Jake. Jake, where are you going with supernatural movie blend?
4: Again, a, a huge portion of this is how you're interpreting that word. When I hear supernatural, I kind of zero in on ghosts. Okay. Like I, for me it's less about possession, it's less about monsters, it's it's not just things outside of the realm of reality from when it's super, Not me, just things
5: that are super natural yeah
4: they're they're a little natural (laughs) to uh to to paraphrase the office um so i'm going with the shining um because to me uh there's no greater ghost story than than the shining and for me that the shining is a movie that that doesn't just make me feel the fear that is is intended to instill it, it, it makes me feel seasons. Like I, hmm. I feel like co- the cold, you know, whenever they're, they're stuck in that blizzard in the overlook hotel, you know, I, I, I feel uh, both isolation and claustrophobia at the same time. I feel a, a sense of disorientation, um, you know, because Kubrick's layout of the overlook actually doesn't really make any sense. Um, so, so this feeling of like turning a corner, not knowing what's going to be there. Um, it's, what, and you know what's funny is, and, and I feel all of those things about that movie, and, and it has had such a massive impact on my life, and I've only ever seen it on television. Yeah. I've, I've never seen it on the big screen before. Right, So right. for a movie to have that kind of power, watching it initially on like an old and Scan TV on VHS, for, you know, to, to watching it in, in, in 4K on my TV now, um, is, is a testament to uh, the film itself. And and not the environment that I'm watching it in, uh. But uh, so just everything about that film just takes me out of where I am, and usually where I am is a constant re- constant reminder that I'm tethered to reality. Usually I'm watching mm. it in my living room, mm-hmm. and so I, sh- you know, it's it's like being at a haunted <clears throat> house that's next door to a Taco Bell. Like you're kind of reminded mm-hmm. uh, that that you're still tethered to reality in which case outside the burbs of chicago uh, a haunted house just opened up where you get picked up by a bus and driven out to the middle of the woods and nope. that's what i'm talking about oh nope. it's the greatest haunted house i've ever seen in my entire oh. life it's fantastic nope. Nope. um nope. in fact it's built in an area in which your cell phone goes out whenever you want whenever you go through because it's okay. built like around an old quarry that's crazy. Nice. um so that's kind of what like what it is like despite the fact that i'm in a haunted house that's like on a freeway i'm still i still feel like i'm sucked in i still feel like i'm in the middle of the woods i still feel like i'm i'm in the middle of colorado so uh, for me it's the shining
0: all right i'm gonna go with my definition of supernatural being more so that um it's it's a force that people are having a really hard time like explaining what it is there's no easy answer to it it's not vampires it's not a werewolf um so i guess from that perspective you could look at demonic possession as well yes it's satan sort of thing um, but my favorite parts of the exorcist, which is my choice, um, are when the family cannot figure out what's going on with their daughter. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you get to the part with the priests eventually and Why that's when the exorcism on the floor? kicks in. Right. But, right. But that is like one of the scariest parts is when she comes down, uh, into the party and, and, and of course, when she twists herself into the pretzel and, you know, crab walks down, yeah. <laughs> down the stairs and just the idea, like part of the reason why the Exorcist remains to be like i I think you guys both say the shining I think the exorcist is the scariest movie that I've ever seen in my life, and it's primarily because all of this is happening to a kid uh and the you know you're powerless from and this is way before I even became a parent like as the 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 mother uh is so powerless to help her child um and the things that they did. You know you can gloss over like oh this girl's you know having a hard time um but with the exorcist they like turned it up to 11 you know yeah. of just like the horrific things that they did to this girl and and made her do um to so that was a great part of the conversation that we had with the guys who did uh don't breathe too <laughs> about <laughs> the crucifix and how scarring that was to them so um i love those elements of because even in insidious Horror movies like that to me are so much more interesting until the answer is given. You know, I love that element of what, what might it be? Um, And even I mentioned malignant malignant is really more interesting to me until we are told what it is. Mm. And then malignant is cool because once we do know what it is, that's when James Wan is just like high gear, you know? But I love the tantalizing, you know, where you're throwing out guesses and trying to figure out what it is. And so, um, you know, in looking at them, uh, I ended up going with The Exorcist. So, Kev, how do you define supernatural? And where did you go?
3: I I, I went Ghostbusters. Um, hey! just hey, nice. and, and uh, I'll go ahead and plug that we have uh, Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman coming up on our show in a couple of weeks uh, for Afterlife. Um there's something ivan or was it jason or ivan who i can't it was was jason who said it in the interview about steven spielberg leaning over to him um and saying like the library scene is one of the great top 10 scares of all time um ghostbusters is is a horror film (laughs) like like there that movie is terrifying um if you look back on it um in terms of what was going on with those characters like and sigourney weaver's characters and the Gar- the gargoyles the dogs the eyes um what's interesting about that film to me is that that is like the definition of supernatural like like it is like th- them getting to the hotel and, and 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 trying to figure out what this what's going on what slimer is and like figuring out the technology and trying to capture the ghost and like there's just something so special and unique about that um but at the same time it's such an immersive story that you're 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 in it. It's like that's the world, like the Ghostbusters. It's like we can look back on it now and go, "Oh, that was fun for childhood nostalgia." It's a great film. Yeah. Like it's a really good movie that is well executed, and it could have been goofy. I mean, think about it: uh, four guys with these massive packs on their backs, firing uh, hand-drawn animated proton beams at these ghosts and like (laughs) like how that even would even work um comes down to having a great director and having a great storyteller but also having great actors um and i think that's the beauty of ghostbusters is like there's that there's like this there's this feeling when you have watching ghostbusters that like there's a sense of uh when i watch it i feel the supernatural sense the whole movie um i feel like i feel like wind going by me like i like there's something mm-hmm. in a room at every moment um and like the score the music um just the way like the goo will drip down from like a the library cards or whatever um uh there's just something it's about all practical. it it's practical it's effects. so interesting um but it was uh, ghostbusters is like I think it's a scarier film than we give it credit for, to be honest with you. I think it's Mm -hmm. actually a really scary film. Um, But I think as kids, it was fun because it was the proton pack stuff. But that was like my introduction into like my fascination with supernatural elements in films. Like I just really felt like that movie was special in that sense. And I think uh, to this day, that's my favorite one. That's the one I go to.
0: In doing a lot of research um, for our Reitman interview, uh, I watched a bunch of old interviews with ivan where he talked about ghostbusters during the 1980s being the the ronald reagan era and how it was significant because the villain of the film was more um the environmental protection agency and now mm-hmm. the epa wanted to shut the ghostbusters oh down. i can't do this <laughs> shut the ghostbusters down again.
4: what's that i can't do this like who's the real villain conversation Would oh
0: no, no 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 no! i'm just no no there was definitely ghosts and villains yeah. But you know there was that character yes. Walter Peck, you yeah. know, and he was the one. who The was word you guys are looking odds. for is
5: antagonist. There can be Thank several you. people who antagonize Thank our protagonists. He was an antagonist.
0: One of the conversations I wanted to have with Ivan too that before we just ran out of time is he made movies during a time when the actors were the draw. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I would have loved to because you guys don't remember this. I'm the old one in the crew, but when people went to go see Ghostbusters. They were going to go see the the new Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd movie. Yeah. The SML guys. It wasn't. Guys. Yeah. 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 It yeah. absolutely yeah. was not. We're going to see Ghostbusters. And even like Stripes and uh, Ghostbusters, they were just like, they were described as, oh, it's Bill Murray in the military. Mm. Oh, this is Bill Murray with ghosts. You know, yeah. like you didn't know what the franchise was. And so now with Jason having to operate in this realm where we only deal in franchises and IP. And it almost doesn't matter who the person is in it. Uh, I would have loved to get the dynamic of Ivan sort of, you know, helming films like that. So, I do. That I dude. do
5: really miss that era. Like I do. Yeah. I, there's something I love about a pitch of like. This is Eddie Murphy, but it's yeah. he's in this situation. You know, like, on yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just such a fun, like it's such an easy sell. It's easy to get you excited. And I
0: think, well, I mean, we talk about this a lot. Like Arnold is probably one of the last ones that you did, you, you got that with. It was oh, like yeah. oh, went, it's Arnold as fill in the blank.
3: Right, well, Arnold, in, Arnold in this movie done. Arnold as a pregnant person junior done. Yeah. I'm going. Like, yeah. like, like it was. Arnold Schwarzenegger it,
4: is a kindergarten cop in the film. kindergarten cop (laughs) yeah i mean i'm in i'm in
3: but you're you're so right also um i want to say like we've been doing this show for uh for for free for a few years now um there was something magical the other day seeing jason reitman and ivan reitman sitting together Mm -hmm. talking about generationally what those films meant and it was just like i I get teary-eyed thinking about it it was like i'm like this is incredible. Like, how are we talking to Ivan and Jason Reitman at the same time about a Ghostbusters movie? Right. And we could ask them anything we wanted about Ghostbusters. I know. And it was, it it was truly like, I can't wait for people to hear that interview. I really, I, I, it's, it's, it's such a special interview that we got. And like, it meant so much to me emotionally to talk to both of them about it, because it's so
0: interesting. There's an element to where I'm going to say when, when we're able to release it, we're going to release it closer to the movie's release try to go anywhere to watch the youtube video because there are moments when Ivan is telling like long stories about working and- on Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2 and I look at all three of our faces and we are all just like <laughs> like so, like we so, chose Jason. Like, but, but to episode, yeah. even so Jason, Jason
4: like was was enamored with a lot of these stories. Yeah, Jason yeah.
3: took over a real blend and asked a question. He did, like, the, yes. There, like he literally became a host and asked his, like he asked his dad <laughs> a question that yeah. he could have asked him at any point in his entire life. But he decided and that was the moment. Oh, I want to ask my yeah. dad this real fast.
0: Hold on, hold on guys, real quick.
3: And then, and then,
0: and it's like, what just happened? It was so it cool. Was, it was great. All right, audience picks back to Supernatural blend. So Amanda Young went with uh, Poltergeist, classic. Oh,
4: great, a great answer.
0: Patrick Knight uh, went with The Frighteners, Peter Jackson's film. Oh, I love that movie. It's terrific. Great. Who, who said that? Patrick Knight
3: said the Patrick. That's a great choice. That is a classic. Peter Jackson film pre LOTR um, uh, uh, time period. Like by the way, go back and watch his other stuff, like Dead Alive and Bad Taste. And it's so funny that feebles. you say it because the other so,
0: day I try, I tried, I would jump to all the streaming services and just search Peter Jackson because yeah. I wanted to watch some of his earlier films, and none of them are available.
3: Well, they're because they're so. It's just Lord like, of the Rings. It's, it's yeah, Sean's hell. Yeah. it's just it's Lord, like of Rings, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, it, Lord King, of the Rings, King, King if,
0: Kong, King if Kong. If one person hears <laughs> this, <laughs> the, lonely,
4: the Lonely Bones watch dead alive
3: uh there's a
0: lovely Lovely
4: oh lonely sounds better the
0: lonely Uh, yeah it's great there's
3: a wait wait can i just say one thing there's a scene in dead alive it's so it's it's a zombie film this guy takes a lawnmower picks it up turns it on and walks into a crowd of zombies and just slices them all (laughs) up and it is just awesome <laughs> it's so awesome
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of awesome uh ways to get rid of somebody christian Hestus went with uh, hereditary e- easily one of the most shocking scenes i've ever seen in my entire life uh you all know which one i'm talking about yeah. it involves a poll uh william says what lies beneath and eric carter said Dr Sleep, it's a masterpiece. Um I listen anything Flanagan, obviously. I think Flanagan deals in the supernatural. I think we could all obviously uh, talk about Hill House or Bly Manor or The Brilliant Midnight Mass. What oh, Midnight lies Masses. beneath? Yeah, what lies Un- beneath is a really good one as well. Too. Underrated
3: Zemeckis by the way. Yep. That is
5: terrific.
0: Uh for next week. Oh Jesus, Gabe. You got to be kidding me.
5: Hey, the time has come. It's unavoidable.
0: <sighs> it's uh Go on to social media and use hashtag Denis Villeneuve. Oh, Denis, hashtag Denis Villeneuve. Blend. I know
3: that's not fair, Gabe. Are you can also.
0: You... <laughs> yeah, that's,
3: not, that's not really. That's not really a nice thing to do. I no. mean, I mean, how? I can't. How do you pick? How do you do? Yeah, All right.
0: Uh, so let us know your picks on social media or via email at realblend at cinemablend.com. That's going to be an interesting, interesting conversation, and we're uh, going to
3: have Denis Villeneuve. On our show next week, as yes sir.
0: Has a guest we, on the show. That's insane.
3: And it, it happened.
0: And I would say hashtag it happened. It happened a long time ago. I can't believe Dune's not out yet.
1: <laughs> when we
3: finished when we finished that interview, Sean said, "Like and he's so right. It was like a religious experience. Like it really this. Was. Like it was. If when you see Dune, even if you haven't seen Dune and you hear the interview, it's you're hearing from a one of the greatest to ever Which, do it." An Ever. update
5: for an update for anyone who cares because I've been giving you guys crap about seeing it. I'm finally seeing it tomorrow morning. Yay!
0: Yeah. And out of
3: all of us, Gabe is the biggest Dune fan, and sure. Gabe has been so. Gabe's excitement for Dune is kind of aside from the Denis element was 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 one of the big reasons why I was excited to see it too. Um, I I, I when we do our show next week, I want D- Gabe to spend a good section reviewing it. I want I want I want because because he he is. He knows the book so well
0: so we're finally at the point where gabe can say he's watching it soon
5: <laughs> dune let's spell u and e <laughs> so that was more, of a, was more of a written
0: joke that you yeah, had there probably all right uh the review this week comes from michael joseph uh who writes hi gents i've been considering writing a review for a while now and i finally decided to pull the trigger so here goes what sets the Real Blind podcast apart from other film-related podcasts is the sense of genuine love, respect, and camaraderie between the hosts. should see us outside of the show. Uh, no, I'm only kidding. I should step back a bit and admit that I listen to a ton of film-related podcasts. Working from home these days can be lonely, so I always have a podcast playing in the background for company. While some of these podcasts have been around for longer or are perhaps an offshoot of a larger concern, the only one I find myself coming back to repeatedly, even once I have finished an episode, is Real Blend. I put this down to the friendship and palpable love of film that comes through from the hosts. Basically, I just like to hear these dudes shooting the shit about their mutual passion. I have to be honest and admit that I don't always agree with them. That's not a surprise. Uh, Hell, I sometimes find myself shouting a correction or a contrary opinion am my Alexa device like a crazy person. Listening to Sean, Jake, Kevin, and Gabe geek out about a piece of news or get into the minutia of box office numbers really feels like I'm hanging out with my own buddies or at least folks that I can get behind. There is something uh, to be said for, there's also something else to be said for positive energy. And I find the show refreshing in that it is never mean-spirited. There is no joy in taking apart a bad film. I mean, sure, sometimes a film is bad and it can be increasingly fun ripping it apart, but theres that's not the agenda of the show. It feels mm-hmm. like the guys want to like every film, and that's unique in an age of cynicism and sarcasm. Basically, what I'm saying is, Real Blend is the Ted Lasso of podcasts. I put that on social media uh, after I read that because that is just one of the best compliments you could ever give us. Uh, he goes on to say, In all seriousness, I continue listening to Real Blend. Not just because the interview questions are incredibly well-reasoned and thought out, not just because it speaks to my passion, but because it is a truly wonderful feeling to know that you are, that there are people out there in the world who you just know in your soul are part of your tribe. Uh, basically, what I'm getting at is which one of you wants to adopt me? <laughs> keep up the good work. This is from Mike Joseph in Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. Michael, thank you so very much. For that incredible, incredible. review. <laughs> Again, thank you for that amazing review. You guys can send us reviews at realblend at cinemablend.com. Gabe will make sure that they get them into the notes that we read each week on the on the show. Our next premium episode, which is dropping on Monday, is going to be for the 2008 Oscars in Review. Uh, you can get access to this and all the episodes of Real Blend Premium by going to cinemablend.com backslash Uh During the week, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV at Sean underscore O'Connell at Gabe Kovach and at real blend for the show. We're going to have Denis Villeneuve on next week's show. And uh, as one does. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. It's a special one. So tune in for that one. Uh, In the meantime, get your Spielberg picks ready. We'll talk to you all next week. Uh, the, um, shoot. I was going to say the Polar Express. The Terminal! Why earth would I say the Polar Express? Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The Terminal!
1: Munich! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.